girl, we're recording remotely again this week. What year is it? Are we back in 2020? Time's a construct, girl. <laughs> Ask me what year it is. How dare you? I don't know. What, t- what day is it? Who know? Who am I? What is it? What is? Who is you? I don't know. Who is me? I, I got nothing. Hi. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Oh my goodness, you guys. If you're looking for more shenanigans, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes. I say it every single week, girl. I don't, I mean, I'm there on the pates myself. I'm part of the whole operation, but really, this is our way of inviting you to join us on Lady Pates. You guys, right now we're doing heist. We're about to get to the episodes where they steal the expensive bourbon. You know that we're going to drink during that episode. I'm bringing bourbon for those recordings. I'm saying one word. What? Happy gate. If you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. I'll see you in a couple weeks on heist. But you guys, after that, we're going right into Lula Rich. Lula Rich. You know, people are going to get mad at me, I think, about the Lula Rich. I don't know. Wait, that's the one with, like, the yoga pants? Is that what they do? That's, like, the racist, misogynistic leggings. That's Lula Rich. (laughs) Well, it's also where you can find our coverage of Night Stalker, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Making a Murderer's Serial, The Staircase, The Jinx. That piece of shit's going to jail forever, girl. Yes, that's which is amazing. But also, on top of that, he also got charged with Kathy's murder, too. Yeah, I know. Bye. It only took him till he's on his deathbed. He looks like the fucking crypt keeper. But anyway, I'm happy. I'm happy. Are you going to give him an okay bye-bye? When he dies, it'll be the ultimate okay (laughs) bye-bye. Can't wait. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? It's a Dateline special. It is not Keith Morrison. This is a Dateline special called The Secrets of Spirit Lake, and it is specifically about this tragedy of these missing and murdered indigenous women that we all need to be paying more attention to. I'm going to go on record and agree with something that you said several months ago. The music, the Dateline music is far too sexy. It's like a sexy law and order. (laughs) Her name is Lissa Yellowbird, investigator interrogator, searcher of last resort. Here is where Lissa works. Sacred lands, teeming with beauty. But woven into the landscape are crimes that have gone on for years, even centuries. Native American women and girls missing and murdered. It's heart-wrenching. We are invisible to America. In this ongoing tragedy, Lissa Yellowbird found her calling. She uses whatever tool will bring a loved one home. I'm so indebted to her. I'm so grateful to her. But after years of helping others, the crisis hit home for Lissa. Her niece, Carla Yellowbird, went missing. It wasn't even a question of if I was going to find her. It was, I will go find her. So I said this little disclaimer at the top of Escape to Alcatraz, and I'm going to do it again because yeah. I did my research about the correct way to refer to indigenous peoples of the United yeah. States. And really, it depends on who you're speaking to. And so the terms Native American and American Indian are both used in this documentary by indigenous people, yeah. as was Escape to Alcatraz. So we are going to say what they say because that's the right way to do it. And I'm going to say what you say because I'm too scared not to. I'm terrified. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm scared of you is what I was saying. Oh, oh. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> so you guys, right at the top, we meet Lissa Yellowbird. They say her job defies description. Her name is Lissa Yellowbird. Her job defies description. Investigator. Interrogator. Searcher of last resort. The one people turn to in their very worst moments. 
quite a business card. I mean, she's amazing. And what she yeah. does is her whole thing is she finds missing and murdered indigenous women. She lives and breathes this. But like she actually does it. You know what I mean? Right. And she also tries to get people to give a shit about them, which is right. <laughs> maybe more and harder to do for some reason because everything's the worst. Also, our host is Andrea Canning. And I'm really like waiting for the night where Lester Holt's like, you know what? I'm going to take this one, whoever it was. Instead of just saying, I'm Lester Holt. And tonight I'm waiting for him to be like, I'm Lester Holt. And, and you know what, Andrea? Take the night off. I got this. You know what? Andrea Canning is really good. And in addition to her being really good, she gives me Elizabeth Mitchell vibes. You know, Juliet from Lost. And she also oh. gives me um, Alexis Linklater vibes. She looks a little bit like Alexis. Alexis Linklater. I, I don't see the resemblance at all. They're okay. both beautiful. But great, if that helps you. Which, you know what I have to do now. A little bit of Alexis. Always, every time. So they tell us, according to Department of Justice findings, four out of five Native American women have experienced violence in their lifetimes. And a CDC study found homicide rates for Native American women were almost three times those of non-Hispanic white women. Just in case those numbers aren't bad enough, I'm going to make it worse. Okay, great. We can always count on you, GP. (laughs) You know, it's what I'm here for. Um, These numbers are what they are because law enforcement doesn't care enough. And there's friction between these jurisdictions, right? So it's like the jurisdictions on the reservation and the cops. And I'm thinking, then find a better way. Stop crying jurisdiction. I don't give a fuck about jurisdiction. Like, this is a crisis. Who cares? Yeah. Do it better. I know. I mean, I think there is precedent for like Indian people wanting to manage their own affairs without like the fucking white people coming 1, in and telling thousand, them what to do. Yeah, I mean, can they, yes, uh, of course. This is not a good example. Like this is at least in the telling of this story, like the police on the reservation, like don't do a good job here. Yeah. Like you said, we got to find a better way. I just like, if I hear someone cry jurisdiction one more I time, know. then wor- find a workaround. Get around it. Wait, we found a workaround. Her name is Lissa. Oh, right, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> we did it. We're done here. She should, like, be able to rest and have a weekend. You know what I, I mean? Know, like, can yeah. someone fucking step yes, up jurisdiction I if I hear that word? And I'm going to hear it 15,000 times, I so know. this is going to be a rough one for me. We also meet another fantastic woman. Her name is Lynette Grable, and she is a major part of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Woman movement, which is really a cry for help. She's an activist. She's a survivor. She's amazing. She says this thing that is, like, she says it right to the camera, and, like, I felt it pierce mm-hmm. my heart. I'm a full-blooded Native American woman, and the statistics that hang over my head is that I am the most stalked, raped, sexually assaulted, and murdered out of every ethnicity in this country. It's heart-wrenching to really think about the measure of how we are invisible to America. And she says it's fucking heart-wrenching to really think about how we're invisible to America. She says it without the swearing. I added the swearing for effect, but I think she was thinking it. I think she was thinking it. I got it for both of you. I like both (laughs) options, honestly. Anyway, I love her and I want to be her best friend. Yeah. And Andrea Canning basically says, like, so what you're saying is the pretty white women get all the attention? And they're like, yes, that's absolutely true. If a white woman goes missing in a fancy neighborhood somewhere versus an indigenous woman who goes missing off a reservation, are they going to get the same attention? Absolutely not. And even in this day, in this present time, they will not get the same 
um, attention. Andrea, we know you know the answer. We know you're asking it for effect, but the answer is no. Right. The point is, this has been happening for actual centuries. And yeah. so that's why Lissa Yellowbird is like, am I going to? OK, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> you know and and women like it. Lynette and all these women are just saying, like, is anyone going to like because it's people they know. Yeah. It's their family. It's their friends. And Lissa Yellowbird has dedicated her life to this work. She literally goes, I will use whatever method, whatever tool will bring a loved one home. I went, oh, shit. Oh. I bet you will. This is also not a lady across. You know what I mean? I don't think she would like me. <laughs> That's not true. I really want her to. And I don't need her to be like extra night. Like, I just kind of want her to say, she's okay. That's all I need. <laughs> I just need to not be on her bad side. I just want her to be like, you're not bad. Okay, you're not bad. What do you think she would think about me if we ran into each other at a bar? She would walk the other way. <laughs> Beca- no! Because I think the two of us together, she I don't need this. She doesn't do it for us to fawn over her, which I love. And there's a specific moment where you can tell... Uh That list is just like, I don't need the praise. I just need people to stop murdering. Totally. What do you think she drinks? Like, what's she ordering at the bar? Oh, I think a whiskey neat, no? You totally. She doesn't fuck yeah. around. No, just- she's like having a Cosmo. Nothing watered down. No. Like nothing. She's legit. I don't think they make Cosmos at the bar that Lissa goes to. But when we take her to Musical Mondays at Splash, it's gonna be a whole different story. And Lissa, you know, if you're gonna come, then have a Cosmo. Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> If you're saying yes to the invitation, can you just like cheers yes. me? Don't do <laughs> well, right? now you're mad at her? No, I'm not mad. I'd also drink whatever you want. That also no. don't like, that's a fake obligation bullshit thing. If I'm going out with you, I'm drinking what I want. <laughs> so like based on the numbers, it was just a matter of time before Liz's work hit home, right? Did you write that yourself? Did I write what myself? Based on the numbers, it was only a matter of time until Liz's work hit home. That's just a really succinct way of putting it. Oh. That, I, it just came out so the, the same, okay, bye-bye at the same place. Yeah. The same brain came up with both of those things. No, that's so well said, and it's true. Like, she's been spending all these years helping other families find their lost loved ones, and then, like, one day, Lissa's niece, Carla, vanishes. It was August 2016. Carla suddenly stopped texting and calling. It didn't sit right with Carla's mother, Loretta, and her sister, Carrie. So this is the case we're focusing on. There are thousands of them, but this is Carla's case is what we're focusing on here. And then we meet Detective April Bowman. Yeah, we meet April because Carla had been living in the North Dakota town of Mandan. I think it's Mandan. Man, what did I say? Mandan? Mandan, which is what it looks like. <laughs> but it also Mandan. looks like Mandan. It's so. very Massachusetts of me to like turn H-A-V-E-R-H-I-L-L into Haverhill. That's how we say it. You know what oh. I mean? It's not Haverhill. It's Haverhill. Right. So it's like Mandan. Worcester. Yeah. Worcester, Worcester. Worcester. Okay, got it. <laughs> But we meet Detective April and Andrea's like, Do you deal with a lot of missing persons cases? We do. We have quite a few. April is a woman of few words. I don't think she appreciates being interviewed. And she does kind of like make Andrea feel dumb a couple times. But also I'm sure April's like, why am I here? Because Lissa (laughs) did it all. Right. Should I even be right. here? Because totally. Lissa did all the work. Because and... April does say, like, I really wanted to work hard on this case, but, like, because of, I'm sorry to say it, jurisdiction, I, I really couldn't and Lissa did everything. But at the same time, we do need to interview. I think April's presence here is, is important. And I don't mean to take away from April actually did try to do work. It's not yeah. her fault. So totally. I don't, I'm sorry, April. So yeah. now we, we learn about this, right? Like, so most reservations have their own police forces, which we agree and understand why maybe they're not trustworthy of, like, the white cops, like, obviously. Most reservations have their own police forces, but the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the BIA, a division of the Department of the Interior, is also involved in tribal law enforcement. The roles of the BIA, tribal police, and local cops can be confusing, especially to the distraught families of missing women. 
And so on the day that her family notices that she's missing, Carla's roommate tells detectives that she was going to the town of St. Michael's, which is on a reservation called Spirit Lake. And Spirit Lake is a reservation that spans 400 miles. It's three hours northeast of Mandan, which I'm saying that's a long fucking drive. Why is she going there? Yeah, it's so Detective Bowman calls the BIA office on Spirit Lake and she's like, look, no one call me back. I tried. So she's like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm like, yeah, the family's waiting, too. And speaking of the family, Andrea at one point is trying so hard to get them to say that Carla lit up a room. She's literally like, (laughs) so would you say when she entered a room, she what happened? Does she literally say entered a room? Was Carla the kind of person like when she walked in the room, you knew she had arrived? Yeah, she was really outgoing and just happy and everyone was just enjoyed being around her. She was always there for us and watched over us and she was a good big sister. So you would say when she came into a room, people like knew it, like they she felt they felt it. Like, okay, fill in the blank. She blanked up a room and I'm like, Andrea Her poor family is just like, no, she was great. Like, we loved her. But I'm like, Andrea, she literally says to them, so when she came into a room, people noticed, right? Like, how, how, what's another way you would say that? She She blanked blanked up a room. She blanked up a room. I can't. Andrea. Andrea. Come on now. She blanked up a room. Oh, my God. This is also where we learned where Lissa is not here for anyone's shit. Because she and Carla were really, really close. And she tells this story. She had this uh, big gaudy ring on. And when she put her hand up, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, lose the ring. That looks horrible. She was like, why? You know, and she asked, do you want it? And I was like, heck no. This is a story that Lissa tells to yeah. show us how close they were, and I love it. I know. And yet another example of why I think that Lissa would probably have some shit to say about my fashion choices as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we're both guilty of that. I think she'd be like, a pop of color wouldn't hurt. I know. And I'm like, She's yeah, like, are what? you fucking assholes wearing your own merch again? I'm wearing our merch because I didn't leave my home today. Yeah, she- so I don't walk the streets of New York City in our merch. So we get a little bit of Carla's backstory. And when she was younger, like she was a smart kid. She enrolled in college. She had kids. She got married. And then they say that like, but her once promising life fell apart. Her once promising life falls apart when she falls into drugs. Yeah, we need a better copy, Dateline. Don't say that. (laughs) Don't say that. But, you know, her mother, Lizette, says that drugs got a hold of her and she went to treatment and she really, really tried to not be doing drugs anymore. And it didn't happen. And so she'd leave treatment and she'd fall right back into that world. And so Lissa, Lissa's like, hi, uh, Andrea, I know exactly what this is like because I basically had a very similar story. She went down the same path I went down. How close to home was that hitting for you? Well, I could count the number of times that I could have ended up in that same predicament. I could count the number of times I could have ended up in the same predicament. Yeah. Only Lissa's story is fucking wild. Like, okay, listen, just listen. Just listen. Okay, so she she says... (laughs) Everyone, shut up! Pull over! Oh, God. So Lissa is a proud member of four tribes, and then she, like, says that, and I'm like, oh, my God, listen, that's amazing. And then she goes, you know, and so when I was a teen, uh, my boyfriend trafficked me for sex. What? She says as a teen, her boyfriend trafficked her for sex. Still, she made it to college and had good jobs. But she also battled addiction and served just over two years in prison on drug charges. You're a mother of six. You have been to prison, but you've also studied criminal justice, worked as a prison guard, a welder, a social worker, and been a legal advocate. She's a mother of six. She studied criminal justice. She worked as a prison guard. She knows how to weld. She's a welder. She's a social worker. She's a legal advocate. 
brilliant. Like, she's a truly fascinating person. Andrea says to her, how have all of these things prepared you for, like, the work you're currently doing? And she goes, I don't know, but they sure come in handy. <laughs> I don't know, but they sure come in handy. <laughs> and honestly, like, all of these things are relevant to the work she's doing. Maybe not welding, but I'm sure there's, like, at least a metaphor. <laughs> at the very least. The welding is, like, the most interesting part. No, not the most interesting part, but welding. I also think it's insane that we live in a world where there's still a need for that. Yeah. Well, no, obviously we need it, right? Okay. <laughs> right? For like infrastructure. I love that your instinct was to yes and me and then immediately be like, no, you're I a I just saw moron. all the DMs like, well, actually, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Do you like buildings, Patrick? <laughs> like trains, you idiot. Like, okay. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> and so Lissa's first case, she's a few weeks out of prison and she finds the yeah. girl alive. It was like her neighbor and she finds her alive and Lissa's yeah. like, oh, I can do this. I'm going to just do this now. More than that, everyone around her is like, oh shit, you're really fucking good at this. Everyone you know is missing somebody and they all come to her and like it just never stops. She becomes the go-to person to find like people's missing loved ones. Yeah, and even if the end of the story is really sad and tragic, the families are still grateful that one, someone cares and two, just to have some kind just answers they're yeah. feeling seen they're feeling heard and that's really valuable to them and the thing about Lissa is that she's just like relentless like whereas other people will stop or get overwhelmed she's like I will just sit there and keep digging and digging and digging like mm -hmm. when she gets her claws into a case she just does not give up on it yeah she tells the story Lissa followed a hunch to a lake on the Fort Berthold reservation and took her boat out with volunteers and sonar gear and we went across the bay and this little girl says do you think this is the truck? And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God. Hang on a second. I need a lot more information about I have this a hunch. Thousand questions. Because we hear like <laughs> the next thing we learn is that this missing girl, Olivia, her body was found 21 feet underwater. I was like, how did the girl, the one who was like, oh, is that the truck we're looking for? How did she see it 21 feet underwater? Was she in the sonar gear? But also, like, you had a hunch that took you to a lake? Was it just a fast way of saying like she followed the evidence that she I, gathered? Because yeah, yeah. I'm like, a hunch? Are you a witch? And if you are, you're welcome here. This is a safe space. But Please, I was like, welcome. what do you mean a hunch that like took you to a lake where you found the fucking body. Oh my gosh. She doesn't, she's like telling three stories to Andrea. This isn't <laughs> just this one where it's like one thing led to another. That, that's her version of bada bing bada boom. <laughs> I followed up. Right, totally. Yeah. All right, I got some information. Made a few phone calls. Bada bing, bada boom. We're at the lake. But she also says every recovery, every search effort takes a toll on her. And she's like, there's time that I'll never get back. You know, with my family, my kids are all grown now. I lost a lot of years of my life, like valuable years with my kids to this because I can't stop. Like once I get into something, like I have to solve it. I become obsessed with it. And, you know, she lost a lot of time. Like every, every effort takes a toll on her. Right. So now it's September 2016. It's about a month after Carla has gone missing. And Detective April is here and she's working yeah. on the case. No one's calling her back, but God damn it, she's here and she's working. And she's tracking down these tips. And there was a report that Carla was seen in a silver car. There was a report that she'd been in like a silver car and she'd been hanging out with Suna, Dakota and Dalen. Suna Guy, Dakota Charbonneau and Dalen St. Pierre. All three had lengthy criminal records. All three resided on the Spirit Lake Reservation. 
All three of these fucking dirtbags had lengthy criminal records, and all three resided on the Spirit Lake Reservation. That's where Carla was going. Remember the one that's like three and a half hours away from right. where she lives? They all live in that place where she was headed that day. And Detective April is like, I called every cop in every jurisdiction, and no one would call me back, or they'd never put me through, or they'd like give me the runaround. And apparently they said to her, well, we talked to that Suna guy, and he said he didn't see Carla, so we're done here. Moving on. What is it, 4.58? Come on. I'm not, I'm not trying to work overtime, you dumb girl. Let's come on. Enough. The one suspect says he didn't see her, so no further questions. And she's not allowed to go interview this guy herself because she doesn't have, I'm sorry to say it, girl, the jurisdiction. Right. And like, is this how it's always gone? These like girls go missing, the boys say they didn't do it, and everyone's like, okay, I guess we're done here. Um, yes. Because okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. because even Detective April is like, she needs approval from either the BIA, tribal police, or the FBI, and no one I said it's 458. Right. Uh, it's time to get out of here. I'm hungry. It's quitting time, as they say. It's quitting time. And so Lissa's like, God damn it, I'll do it myself. We we hear it's like... To start, Lissa needed her sources to talk. She could work the phones, knock on doors, walk the prairies. But out here, where cell service is non-existent in some areas, the most effective way to communicate can be through social media. And Lissa had a massive network of followers she could tap into. Cell service sucks out there. And sometimes it doesn't exist at all. And now, yeah. where's my soapbox? Thank you so much. <laughs> this needs to change. And it's yeah. not because some people want to mindlessly scroll or play games on your phone, which you should if you want to have a nice decompression. But it's a safety issue. Jude's journey is back. Yeah, but it's a safety issue. Rural areas need service. The end. Yeah. It's a safety yeah. issue. Yeah. Stop it. Floodlights and cell service. It's why is it so fucking hard? You guys, if we change the tagline of her show to floodlights and cell service would that be a thing would you guys buy the t-shirt <laughs> but she says the best way to communicate because the cell service is so bad is through social media and they say that like Lissa had a massive network of followers she could tap into she's an indigenous woman finding influencer yes thousand percent so through her badassery and research yeah. and just oh. her knowledge and history and, yeah. and experience she was able to track down the owner of the car that silver car that Carla was seen in and the owner is the father of that Suna guy one of the three guys that was like last seen with Carla. And the thing that they say is that like, Lissa knew from previous cases, people who might be reluctant to talk to police were often willing to talk to her. Because Lissa is a known quantity and she's one of them, people might be more willing to talk to her than they would be to the police. That's one right. of the ways she's been able to cultivate sources and like help find these bodies. And so Lissa calls up Detective April and I love this because she doesn't ask. She just tells April. I did spend some time letting her know that I was a relative that I kind of work on this mm -hmm. arena anyway. Please share as much information with me as you can. And I also didn't know how this was going to go. I didn't know if it was going to be like a pissing contest between these two women, but then I was like, oh no, they're women. They don't do that. This is going to be fine. So Lissa calls up April, ring, ring. She's like, look, I don't know if you know who I am, but my whole thing is like finding missing and murdered indigenous women. And on top of my that, this thing. case happens to be my niece. So yeah. we're going to share information and you're going to tell me what you know and this is how it's going to work. And April's like, uh, fuck yeah, I am. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, She's we're doing like, this. Look, all help is good help. Like, I'm here to solve this fucking case. Also, like, Detective April, to her credit, could have, like, thrown her hands up and walked away months ago. She's still super invested. Yeah. And I just love that Lissa's like, I'm not asking you. Like, we're yeah. just going to share information. So. Totally. <laughs> I want to I wanna start writing emails the way Lissa writes emails. I want to stop apologizing for existing yeah. and the exclamation points. <laughs> 
<laughs> I am definitely an exclamation pointer in emails. I wrote one the other day that I was like, the only piece of grammar that I used was a fucking exclamation point. Right. And then you go back and you're like, yeah. well, okay, so it can't be every sentence. But what <laughs> sentence do I remove the exclamation point from? But then you put a period and you feel like it sounds rude. Right. So then you're like, oh, God, okay, so if it's every other or if it's two in a row, then the third one can't be an exclamation point. Totally. Because the email, if read aloud, would sound like, hey, great to hear from you. Thank you so much for getting back to me. Yes, Tuesday next week works great for a meeting. You know what I mean? Right. And then at the period would be, hey, thank you so much for getting back to me. Tuesday's fine. Anyway, <laughs> bye. Like the one without the exclamation point sounds like you're like, shut up. Tuesday, whatever, if I must. Why was she such a bee about Tuesday? God. Look. I'm so tired. Even just talking about writing an email like that. Like, Lissa, I'm sure Lissa does not use exclamation points. And God damn it, be more like Lissa. And another great thing about Lissa, by the way, is that she isn't the cops. She can do whatever she wants. Jurisdiction, shmurisdiction. She doesn't subscribe to any of that. She can talk to anybody and do anything. Because she says April can't do anything. She also told me that this basic search area was spanning five states and three reservations. Lissa's like, I'm not a cop. I'm not restricted by jurisdiction or like what I can say or or do. My hands are not tied. I'm going to go fucking find her. So the only real leads they have are those three guys that Detective April found that she can't do anything about because no one will like give her the jurisdiction or blah, blah, blah. blah. So (laughs) Lissa names names. She used Facebook to blast out what she knew. Once I got information and I had some names, I put that out there. Now all her followers knew the names of the men she thought were somehow involved in Carla's disappearance. These are the three men who probably took and killed my niece. I cannot believe, A, that like no cops got mad at her for that, and B, that she's not scared out of her mind to do it. First of all, Lissa, I love you. You can do whatever you want. But like, this is also how innocent people can be put in prison. Lissa says it's okay here, and I get it, but just to be like, they did it because I said so. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, we have to... Okay, it's true. It's she true. was right. She was right. So it's fine. She was right. And like, she's baiting these guys. She wants one of them to like reach out to her and make contact. Because I think Lissa knows her like actual superpower is like getting people to confess in the moment. You know, she's got to like talk to these people. Right. And so his name is Suna Guy. So when we're saying, oh, that's Suna Guy, we're saying, oh, that's Suna Guy. But it's his, his name is also Suna Guy. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. And sure enough... He calls her. And she records it. Like, that's the crazy part. We hear these fucking conversations. He calls her from a blocked number. So she can't, like, if they get disconnected or he hangs up on her, she can't call him back. And so he's like, why is my name being put in stuff when I don't even know what's going on? But if there's a way I can help anybody, I try. I'm not a bad guy, you know what I mean? Look, I want to help any way I can. I'm not a bad guy. I don't have anything to hide. So Uh for this first phone call, Lissa's strategy is to listen, be way more patient than I ever could have been, and build (laughs) trust. Because it's human nature. People want to fill the silences. So if he's like, oh, I'm a great guy. I don't have anything to hide. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And then just lets it hang. Then Uh he's like, well, because I, he's just filling the silences. Yeah, it's true. His story is that he said that he gave um, a ride to Carla's brother-in-law and Carla and took them up to Spirit Lake. And he kept going? Yeah. I mean, he didn't see her again. Did you believe him? No. Did you believe him? She goes, no. She goes, no. Here's how she said no. Yeah. She said no, like, imagine I'm telling someone a story that you and I went out or something. Uh And it was like, I went to meet Patrick for a drink. I could only stay for one. And so then whatever. And then the person goes, did you really only have one drink? And I went, no. That's... (laughs) 
the kind That's of no exactly right. that <laughs> listen. No, what are you crazy? No, one drink. What? Get out of here. No, I did, oh no, my I God. did not. But then Lissa says to Suna, "Well, I, look, I could sure use your help finding my niece." And he oh has God. the audacity of this bitch. He goes, well, "I mean, most definitely, like I say, I mean, sorry, I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's not like I'm a block my way. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm not gonna go out of my way, Suna." She put you on blast on Facebook, I wouldn't say outright, I'm not going to go out of my way. I would go out of your way, Suna. Go out of your way, you fucking moron. And then we meet Special Agent Jared Birchler, and he also worked on the case when the FBI is eventually called in, and he's like, she did a great job of building trust with him, building rapport. Everyone on the cop side who's, like, trained for this shit is blown away by how good Lissa is at this. And also, while we're hearing about this first phone call that was 30 minutes long, there's a little lower third on the bottom that's a Dateline graphic, and it's like, have you ever recorded a conversation? Tweet us at DatelineNBC <laughs> using the hashtag Dateline. 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 Well, who's gonna go on Twitter and be like, I, yeah, me, I, I did. That happens at RuPaul's Drag Race all the time when they'll be in the middle of like a crazy competition, and, and RuPaul will be like, if you've ever sewn eyes onto a baby doll, send us a picture at hashtag Drag Race. RuPaul. Ru, please. We're all hammered. We're here to watch your show, please. But I'm sure there are drag queens who are like, I did that first, and who are just all too happy to be taking credit on Twitter. Like no one, no one cares. So this first phone call ends, they hang up, and, you know, Lissa doesn't have Suna's number. But don't worry, everybody, because Suna is chatty. <laughs> chatty Magoo. So Suna's chatty, but Lissa's like, she doesn't have a whole lot of time. She's very, very busy. There's a lot of work to be done. Yes. And because, it, like, a couple days go by and he doesn't call her back, she goes right back to Facebook again and posts about him. This dude is so predictable. She's like, I really want to talk to Suna again. Let me talk some shit on Facebook real quick. Five seconds later. She's just like, my missing niece was last scene with a Suna guy, like literally he gets mad and calls her, men are so predictable. The most predictable. And the first conversation, <laughs> Lissa was like, you know, listening and patient. Yeah. No, that oh. ship has fucking sailed. That is over. <laughs> and she tells Suna as much. She's like, oh. you need to get honest with me because I'm done playing. I, I haven't dealt with your kind of people before. I have. Now she's trying to make him feel guilty. She's trying to like also exert her power. She goes, you think I haven't dealt with your kind of people before? I have. I'll come get her personally myself if I have to, but I want to know. And she goes, you tell me where my niece's body is at and I'll let God reckon with you, okay? Because we already know how it's gone down. Tell me where my niece's body is and I'll let God fucking reckon with you. Lissa. <laughs> oh. I know. I know. That is it's beautiful. That is gorgeous. Not scripted. She's coming up with it in the moment. Lissa is on fucking fire. You know what, Lissa? You are great at this. Yeah. And she, I mean, she's playing him like a fucking fiddle. Honestly. Totally. Like, she's playing him. And instead of just hanging up the phone, he continues the conversation. Just hang up the phone. Just stop talking. But she hangs up on him. She literally goes, when you're ready to get honest, call me back. Until then, I'm done. Click. Click. Oh, my God. And this is where Andrea's like, you were like a one-woman good cop, bad cop. I never heard that one before. <laughs> kind of fits though, right? Kind of. So, Lissa, would you call yourself like a one-woman good cop, bad cop? And this is where Lissa's like, I don't know, I guess, Andrea. I don't know. Like, she's not here to impress anyone. She doesn't give a shit. Like, she's exhausted. She just wants to go to work. Like, I don't know how they convinced her to be on Dateline. Probably for the greater good. She realizes that this is something that really needs a lot of eyes on it. Totally. It is not clicked for Andrea that Lissa no. doesn't need any of that. Just ask her the questions. Give her the platform. I see a lot of myself in Andrea. Yeah. I feel like between setups, I'd be trying to, like, give her compliments. Yeah. Trying ooh, to, like, do... Ooh. 
Yeah, beautiful. Where'd you get that top? Is it is is it Ann Taylor? No, it's not Ann Taylor. Okay. Ann Taylor. Andrea. Oh, Andrea, you and I have a lot in common. So while Liz is like, you know what, Suna, fuck you. I have things to do. Call me back when you want to be honest. <laughs> Detective April is like in her little cubicle, like really trying to crack the case. So they're both doing hard work. You know, they're both. But wait a second. This is my favorite Detective April moment, too, because Andrea's just trying to do her job. But she's like, so, you know, you're still working on the case. You're not hearing back from the tribal police. You're not really able to get anywhere. And Andrea goes, how frustrating is that? It's really frustrating. I think that April thought that was meant to be a rhetorical question. But then Andrea doesn't follow up. So April goes, it's, it was very frustrating. <laughs> Andrea, we're halfway through this thing. It's all sucks. It's frustrating. How many times, how many times is she going to ask me? To I'm not coming this? for Andrea. I know Andrea knows how badly these stories need to be told. Every single person in this episode is not a talker. Like I'm the yes. dream interview for like a Dateline interview because I will oh. just talk and talk and talk. Yeah. All of these like indigenous women are not like that and neither is Detective April. So Andrea's doing the best she can, well, everybody. But she's also doing the Dateline <laughs> thing. Keith does it all the time. They say things where it's like, yeah. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm going to be playing the role of someone who's new here. I'm going to be asking you questions you've heard before. I'm going to be asking you questions we both know the answer to. So this is part of Dateline. Thank you so much. The coffee's right over there. Bathroom's on the left. And, you know, we're going to have a rip roaring good time here on Dateline. They they all do it. They all do it. Yes. And, like, this is where we start to get some back talk from the BAI, which is the Bureau of Indigenous Affairs. April and Lissa are both like, I called the BAI all the time. I wanted them to be involved. They never got back to me. And the BAI, like, sent a statement that was like, The BIA told us that in Carla's case, BIA agents assisted the FBI with search efforts on foot and with helicopters, drones, and ATVs. You know what's much easier than getting a fucking drone? Picking up a phone and calling Lissa or April. You have two women who are begging to do the work and you're just going to lie about drones and ATVs? Fuck off, BIA. Right. <laughs> Enough. So, of course, Suna calls back. Lissa 100% knows who it is, but you hear him go, Lissa? And she goes, who's this? What? <laughs> but they're fighting immediately. Suna, why do you keep calling? And you know what? Dateline has the same question because the lower third, why do you think Suna keeps calling Lissa? Tweet us at DatelineNBC using the hashtag Dateline. <laughs> They're fighting immediately. Yeah. And Suna's like, I'm trying to help you, Lissa. And he, she's like, No, you're not, Suna. And then Lissa's like, And you know what? I can have pity on you. I can have pity on you, but I want my niece's body. She goes from guilting him. I know. Phone I know. call number three, she's just berating him, as she should. I pity you. Fucking garbage. Suna, you sound really fucking stupid in these phone calls. Like, there's just no getting around it. Suna, I mean, Liz is right every step of the way. Oh, God. But these phone calls keep happening, and, like, Liz is exhausted. I'm exhausted. The yeah. case is bad enough, but then Suna's, like, infuriating to deal with. He's just a nightmare, this guy. But something happens in the next phone call that I don't really understand. So Suna calls her, and he's like, oh, my God, Lissa, I'm being trailed by people from out of state. These guys are following me around in cars with Texas license plates. She is laughing so fucking hard. I called, I called for Tom PD to even tell, tell him about this, and he ain't even concerned about it. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize what I just said. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, she offers to run the license plate of these guys for him, and then she just starts laughing, and she's like, I didn't realize how ridiculous that sounded, because I guess she can't, like, as a civilian, she can't do it. Yeah. And also, like, she's snapped. 
like yes. something like yes. a switch was like, oh my God, oh my God. This guy yes. is maddening. And yeah, she's yeah, just yeah. like, yes. if I don't laugh right now, I'm going to reach through the phone and murder him myself. So she just starts laughing. But Suna thinks she's laughing because they're like pals. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't get that he's talking to a person at the end of their fucking rope and yes. who's sick of his shit. He's just like, oh, so we're cool now, Alyssa? That's awesome. Right. Like, no, Alyssa no. hates you. So then all of a sudden it's like jump cut to like the final call from Suna. Because he keeps calling. I just can't say that I enough. Suna. <laughs> but also I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. Because he's like a bad guy, but I think he like wants to tell her what happened to like make himself feel better. So he calls Lissa back and he's like, look, why did you come to Spirit Lake tomorrow? And basically promises to like tell her and show her where Carla's body is. Wait, okay, wait a second. There's a sound effect here where Andrea, like the voiceover says, he admitted to what Lissa had long believed. Carla was dead. And then there's this like bonkers sound effect that sounds like a battery dying or like a womp womp yes. when she says that. He admitted to what Lissa had long believed. Carla was dead. I was there. No, I took that as like somebody's cell phone was dying. That is true. But without context, the timing of it is fucking bonkers because oh I didn't know if it was a mistake or if it was like if they would fix it by the time you watched it or oh something. Oh my god. To me it felt like like soon as cell phone battery was dying and it just made the sound and it recorded it. It was but like if someone's phone is would you hear that sound on your end? Only on your end if it's your phone that's dying. So that it was Lissa's phone that was dying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It still it took me out of it. I was like wait I was like <laughs> Dateline? Because the know. lower thirds were like have you ever recorded? And I was like I what is this womp womp? No. Oh my god. Oh Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, I just, it yeah. jarred me. It yeah, jarred yeah, yeah. me for days. It's I was funny. like, I like totally made note of it when it happened. But then, but now when you're reminding me of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally did fucking hear that. For a second, I'm like, what, who's it? What is that? Is there a phone in the <laughs> office? Like, I, it was I so out of nowhere. And I was like, you couldn't edit that out. Like, why? <laughs> So Suna acknowledges that Carla is dead and he acknowledges that he was there, but he didn't pull the trigger. But in the aftermath of the killing, the other two guys, Dakota and Dalen, insisted that he help move the body. At gunpoint. So they're forcing him to do this, according to Suna. They both had guns. He's no longer referring to her because she's dead as a person. He's referring to her as it. And they were trying to ask me to touch her and hold and grab her, but I, I ain't going to touch no dead body. I wasn't going to grab it. Suna. This is your sixth phone call with Lissa. Don't Haven't you learned? I know. And he says, I know where the body is at and I know the individual who did it. And then we're back to like the interview with Lissa and she's explaining to us like the story is... The intention was to rob her. It didn't go as planned, obviously. And when it happened the way it did, he claims that it was just as big of a shock to him. The intention had been to rob her because of drugs. Like, she either had drugs or she had drug money, but the whole thing didn't go as planned. And Suna claims that, like, the, her being shot and killed was, like, just as big a shock to him as it was to anybody. Right. And then, in a twist, or maybe not really, Suna calls Detective April. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess it's not really that shocking because the dude loves to talk on the phone. <laughs> So now he's calling Detective April being like, okay, get these guys. Because again, Lissa can't do that because she's not like actually law enforcement. So they're like, Detective April, here are these two guys, go get them. And she's like, but I can't. She can't. But so April calls the FBI because the FBI is the only body that like supersedes jurisdiction. They can go anywhere. Right. And so the FBI heads to the reservation looking for Carla's body and they want to go bring Suna in that night. Like they want to arrest him that night, but they can't find him because the fucking guy has gone into hiding and he turned off his phone so they couldn't like pay his phone. 
his location. I can't believe this doesn't happen more often. Why have we done so many documentaries where the fucking killer is like tracked down because they left their cell phone on? Don't tell them to turn their phone off. I know. <laughs> but it's like, tell them. why is everyone so stupid? Yeah, I love that they're stupid. I, I love it. And, and Lissa's like, again, I'm just doing it myself. She's like, I'm going up to Spirit Lake anyway. I'm yeah. going to find Carla with or without Suna. I'm Lissa. Yeah. Move out of my way. Yeah. And so the next day, April and Lissa, they go up to Spirit Lake with the FBI. Everyone is counting on Suna's promise to bring them to the body. He's still nowhere around. The FBI eventually find him at like a relative's house and they put him in an FBI car and they bring him to the site. And so suddenly we're like on this patch of like field with that FBI guy and Andrew. And basically, he's like talking her through how Suna led them to Carla's body. We're probably right around this area, and we kind of stop. And then Suna just points, and he says, it's going to be over there where the where the bushes are. And then as we, we walk a little bit further, once we get to a certain point in time, we can see some of Carla's clothes. You could see the body from... Yeah, we could, we could see, we probably walked up a little bit further, and then we could see some of those bright colored clothes. So you knew, she, you knew yeah. you'd found her. We, we knew we had found her at that point in time. And we don't know how long Carla's been missing at this point, or maybe I've just lost track, but like her body was basically out in the open for all of that time, and nobody fucking saw her? Well, yeah, so the BIA lied with the drones and the ATVs, yeah. like that was all bullshit. No one was looking for her, that's the problem. Exactly, because it's a wide open field where the FBI I could see her body from 30 feet away. And Lissa wasn't there when they found Carla's Thank body, which is Lord, such they, a relief. It took them way too long to fucking tell us that. Yeah. She was yeah. Like, a, like a neighbor's house or something waiting to find out what happened. She wasn't there. Thank the Lord. And, but like... The sa it's so sad. She's the one who ID'd Carla's body, and she says to Andrea, like... First thing that I noticed was that ring. There was the, that the ring. The big gaudy ring. Wow, she still had it on. I looked at the ring. I mean, it was right there, and... Just to see the condition she was in. There was that ring, that big gaudy ring from that story at the top of the episode. And it's just like, oh my God. I kept waiting for her to be like, still ugly. Still ugly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it is. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. And so like they tell us the story of Carla Yellowbird is in some ways tragically routine. Yes. Because also the people who killed her knew they didn't have to work that hard to hide her body because no one's going to go looking for her. Right. And the only thing kind of unusual about this is that something actually happened to her killers. Let's yes. go by. Let, <laughs> let's let's go down the list. Yeah. <laughs> Dalen St. Pierre, he's the one who yes. the gun quote accidentally went off. I don't buy it. But he... No. Uh, the gun guilty. never accidentally goes off, you guys. That's not a thing. Stop it. Yeah. He pleaded guilty to felony murder and related charges. He's sentenced to 27 and a half years. Not yes. bad. Uh, Dakota Charbonneau pleaded guilty to second degree murder for aiding and abetting a murder. And he's sentenced to 50 years for that plus other charges. Holy yes. shit. I know. What were those other charges? Because. I know. Right. Because it's like he got more than anybody else. Yeah. And the, the Suna person. The Suna guy guy. That Suna guy. Also known as <laughs> Suna guy. He got 15 years for second degree murder and related charges, but there's a plea deal. Yeah. In court, Carla's mom came face to face with Suna. And again, like, Carla's mom is just a, a woman of few words. You came face to face with Suna guy. Yes, I did. What did he say to you? He just told me he was sorry and I didn't want to listen to him. Did you say anything to him? Well, I just was happy that he showed where my daughter was. 
she was glad that he like led the authorities to the body. But the thing that we learned in another twist is that Carla's mom and Carla's aunt Lissa don't fucking speak to each other anymore because Lissa spoke on Suna's behalf at trial. And I think she did this for a very important fucking reason. So Lissa is saying just like factually he didn't plot to kill Carla. He didn't pull the trigger. And even though, yes, he's maybe one of the most infuriating people she's ever spoken to, yeah. he did help her find the body. And on top of that, she did it to send a message to say, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to give information. It's yeah. okay to give the family closure. It's it's okay. And the thing that she's not saying is that she's like, it's okay to tell me. Because right, if right. you want to do the right thing and tell me, I will have your back down the road. Like, this is why she's a fucking find the missing and murdered indigenous women influencer like this yeah. is how she gets her body of sources you know like I understand why her sister whose daughter was murdered and this is why we're all here I understand yeah. being like and you vouched for that guy seriously yeah. but it's like there's such a bigger movement here and that's how the episode ends with this movement yes. that's been taking a couple of steps forward but not nearly enough and like the indigenous community should not be responsible for getting the word out and getting people to pay attention it should just be happening it should yeah. just be happening and it's kind of amazing I remember when this happened because they point out like one thing that's bringing the community hope was the appointment of Deb Holland as the Secretary of the Interior. She's an indigenous woman who's like the fucking Secretary of the Interior. She is the first indigenous woman to hold that post. You know, she was appointed by Biden, obviously. In her role, she oversees the BIA and she's going to make them do better. Like that's one of the things that she's going to do in her role. Tackling the missing and murdered indigenous women's crisis is a priority for Secretary Holland. This is a crisis that's been happening in our country since colonization. And it's very, very deep. And so I'm grateful that we're seeing some action on it right now. Yeah, Lynette Grable from the top of the episode, she's an activist and survivor. She says, she's like, I got to tell you, like the way law enforcement handles these cases, like we need people like Deb. Lynette says, and I've heard law enforcement tell the family and even myself that this person is an alcoholic or this person is known to party. Um, and I always cringe when I hear that because that doesn't matter. They're still a human being. And Lynette and me and you are screaming, this is a human being. Who cares if they drank? Who cares? Right. And one of the things that Deb Holland says is that they are going to literally individually go through case files. Somebody in the fucking president's cabinet, her staff is going to be going through individual case files of missing and murdered indigenous women. Like they are trying to fix this problem at the highest levels. And though like that's not nearly enough and it's taken way too long and there's so much more work to be done. Like it's a thing that's happening that's never happened before that's very important and worth celebrating. Yeah. And she says things where I'm like, this is a, like on NBC. This is on Dateline. Yeah. She, she talks about how this has been a crisis since college. Colonization. Yeah. Like, that's really important that, like, your grandma heard that. You know totally. what I mean? That's a really big deal. And, like, talking about how systemic this all is and the changes to policy. And it's just, like, raising awareness. And it's just really moving to see. And because it ends with, there are, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of names that are affected here. But it yeah. ends with this gorgeous audio of some of the names being read. The missing and murdered indigenous women's movement fights for thousands of people. And they are not anonymous. Everyone has a name like Olivia Lone Bear, Ashley Loring Heavy Runner, Cecilia Barber Fanona, Joseph Bruce Sr., Faith Hedgepath, Monica Bercier-Wickery, and Carla Yellowbird. And one of them is Faith Hedgepath, who's, who we covered in the fucking, what was the name of that one? Who Killed the, the Co-Ed, or her name is yeah. Faith Hedgepath, give a shit about her, as I called it. Right, but that case was recently solved. Yes, yes. So we just have a lot more work to do. Lisa can't do it all herself, everyone. Can she have a three-day weekend, right. for God's sake? <laughs> 
Secrets of Spirit Lake. Oh, another Dateline. Doing the good work. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. I say it all the time. We're in the middle of heist. We are about to deal with some fucking fancy bourbon smuggling. I'm very excited. I mean, it, this has you written all over it. You love heists. You love oh the bourbon. God. And We're then in. it goes right into Lula Rich, which you're saying are racist leggings? They're racist, misogynistic, culty leggings. Yeah. And they smell, apparently. They smell bad, too. So, But it's also where you can get our episode-by-episode coverage of the Lacey Peterson case. If you want to hear why some people think that Scott Peterson is innocent, go listen to that one. There's I'll Be Gone in the Dark. There's Fear City. There's Lorena. There's uh, Serial Season 1. The Jinx. There's The Vow. There's Night Stalker. There's Tiger King. There's, I mean, a whole, there's just all those long-form series. Four, five, six, seven, eight episodes. They're all over there. Two, three. Five, six, seven, eight. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Girl, what are we doing next? Oh, we are doing untold crimes and penalties. This is the hockey one. The hockey oh. and the mob, okay? Un- oh, my God. Believable. Hockey and the mob. Okay, I, I got to tell you, you guys, Netflix reached out to us about this untold thing because it's about the sports. And they're like, we know you guys don't like sports. And we're like, yeah, we're not going to do it. And then they're like, give it a try. I got to tell you, everyone I've watched, the lesbian boxers, the yep. battle of the pal, I'm very into it. Yeah. Hey, Netflix, can you get your shit together about Chappelle? Thanks so much. Totally. Much appreciated. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. I'll be in touch about it. Don't worry. You'll yeah, be hearing yeah. from me. Thank you. <laughs> That's it, you guys. We love you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Hockey Bye. and the mob. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Bye. A gentleman by the name of Jimmy Galante bought his 17-year-old son his own hockey team. I'm the president of the Danbury Trashers, and I'm 17 years old. <laughs> this was the largest investigation I've ever been a part of. Jimmy was the real Tony Soprano. We were the bad boys of hockey. A freak mix of pro wrestling and the Mighty Ducks. I made it very clear, if you do something to embarrass this league, you're going to be dealt with. It was a gangster mentality. Every player was getting paid under the table. I'm supposed to say that or no? We dominated. It was a shit show. I consider the team a family. I didn't have to be a rocket scientist to assume that something bad was going to happen. Are we going to tell the people you're a little under the web? I'm a little under the web. I'm sorry. Hopefully that horrifying <laughs> cough was just cut out of the episode. Matt, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> that was Patrick, in case anyone was confused. Saying the statistics is hard. The statistics. It sucks. Okay. Well, you're good well, at everything. <laughs> See? Feels good when somebody screams your name out of a car window, doesn't it, GP? Uh, yeah, I, first I jump out of my skin, but yes, then it's I realize it's all for a good cause. It's a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs>